Welcome to TC Tiawi Talks, Tia Chucha Centro Cultural, located on Tataviam land in the northeast San Fernando Valley, is rooted in ancestral knowledge, culture, the arts, literacy, and social justice as a means to personal and communal transformation. It is a place where hearts and minds have united for change for over 19 years. Join us as we share the stories of personal transformation and our understanding of the world that unites us as a community. We must remember that another world has always been possible. Tiawi, a Nahuatl word for adelante, to move forward. Like a spiral, together we move towards a better future, cognizant of the resiliency we carry from our past. The episode you are about to hear was recorded at the beginning of the COVID-19 threat. It is an introduction of our organization, Tiachocha Centro Cultural, with directors Michael Centeno, Melissa Ejecali San Vicente, and Tiachocha co-founders Trini and Luis Rodriguez. Stay tuned as we release more episodes to share our views of the future and support of the current uprising for Black lives. Thank you for listening. Luis and Trini, can you please talk about what Tiachocha is? So um, what it is, it's a comprehensive, I think the word comprehensive is important, arts, and cultural and literacy center. We are comprehensive in that we try to involve all the arts, whether it's visual, whether it's dance, whether it's theater, whether it's writing, um, whether it's music. We have so much um, on the arts. Uh, and the other thing that we are is uh, based on um, indigenous uh, ancestral knowledge. Our philosophy is that we go to the cosmologies and thoughts and philosophies of our ancestors, but also of, you know, indigenous people today to guide us in the work that we do, especially in an environment of um, colonialism and uh, genocide and uh, racism and capitalism, the worlds that we're in, to guide us to stay healthy and strong uh, through that world. I want to say one thing about the arts real briefly. My understanding is most Native peoples don't have a word for art because for them, art was everything. Art was everywhere. Uh, nature's bounty of art, um, a garment of greenery on the earth, and then what human beings do, because we're also part of nature, creates a multicolored garment that we also add and connect with uh, nature. So that's the way that we look at art. It's, it's part of everything. It's not um, just a, some people have art. We think all people have art. They have to in order to be human beings. And uh, we try to bring that out as much as we can. Thank you. And um, Trini, do you have anything you would like to add to that? Sure. The way I see it, Tia uh, Chuchas is, um, is a holistic wellness center in the sense that we, we do use the arts and literacy and, and, um, and just the relationships of community to heal. And what we're trying to heal is, and what we do heal, is that brokenness that, that we've inherited as a result of living in a, in a society that doesn't really recognize our worth, uh, the, the kind of uh, gifts that we bring, and the importance of being aware of, of what we have to offer. Because obviously we wanna be well for ourselves, but we also want to make sure that we're well with a purpose. And so the, the, the way that, that we conduct our art experiences and workshops and classes and and events is in a way that um, that tries to to uh, draw that out and and allow people to see that in themselves and in each other 
And so for us, that's, uh, that's our way of empowering community in a way that uh, too often is absent. And so the Tia Chuchas is, is a place for, um, for creativity and imagination of something other than what we've gotten used to. And it's a, it's a way also of reminding us that we have, uh, in, in the face of so many things that we don't have control over, we do have control over uh, ourselves and what we bring to the world, and we want to bring the best of ourselves. And so that's what the Echuchas is about, to help us have the kind of experiences that remind us that, that we can be uh, creators and artists in the sense of how we, how we engage with the world in a way that's, um, that's uh, positive and, and can bring about um, the kind of things that we deserve. Thank you. So what brought you all to um, this creation? Well, I have to, I don't want to, I want to be too, I want to be brief here. I have to go back to the Movimiento Chicano from the 60s because that brought me out of the streets, out of uh, drugs and out of gangs and jails and gave me a vision for a world that we needed to have. And one of the things that came out of it though was the powerful explosion of arts in our communities. These are, I came from the barrios of Bistale and San Gabriel Valley. Um, there was, uh, I remember the Goas Art Gallery. There was a Michicano Culture Center. There was uh, murals popping up everywhere. Los uh, Cuatro, Willie Heron, Asco were doing all these performance, uh, one-time performance pieces, uh, photography and, and music and poetry was popping out everywhere. East uh, LA, at least when I was living in that area, was coming alive during this movement. And so even though we were organizing, we were mobilizing, we had walkouts in our schools and we had protests against the war and we had so much going on. Uh, next to all this was a great expression of artistic um, um, talent and ideas. So I got swept up with the artistic part. I painted murals when I was 17 years old uh, and I started to do writing doing poetry. I did plays, believe it or not, and we performed them with Vario Gang Kids um, in, in the neighborhood. Uh, we, I just got involved with that. And of course, I got into writing and books, which I, I still do today. So I want to go back to that. And then uh, in the late 70s, I got involved with the Los Angeles Latino Writers Association, which was really dealing with writing. Uh, a lot of famous writers came out of there. Elena Viramontes came out of there. Roberto Chintney Rodriguez came out of there. Uh, Barbara Carrasco, who was an artist, was also part of our group. Uh, we, we, had, I, we had Victor M. Valle. We had a number of people that now have moved on um, to, uh, to, to get published and get known. And I was one of them. We didn't know anything. We were nobodies as far as, quote, we were somebody, but nobody knew who we were, but we were at Sharon. We had a Bodies Rise workshop. We had a reading series, and uh, I had an office at Self-Help Graphics. Sister Karen, uh, who ran uh, and founded Self-Help Graphics, uh, gave me an office there right off Brooklyn, the old Brooklyn Avenue in East LA. So I would do all the, the work there, and I ended up, um, we had a magazine called Chisme Arte, uh, a Chicano literary and arts magazine. Um, there was so much going on. And I even was participating in the first art gallery in Echo Park. And I, it wasn't, this is before the gentrification was going on. It was all Chicano oriented, even though everybody was welcome. We had African-Americans, we had Asians, we had white people, but mostly it was Chicanada. And we uh, started doing performance 
art. We started doing poetry events. We started doing musical events. We had artists come in and display their work. Grog came in there and did a, a one-time display right on the walls. He didn't even have like paintings. He just painted right on the wall. Um, and we did that for almost, I don't know, I think it was going on for about five years. Um, uh, the sad thing is when I go to Echo Park now, and I go to these galleries, it's mostly white people, and they never would have a clue that I was probably one of the first uh, association groups of people that started. It's called Galeria Ocaso, right, down, right there on Sunset Michelin And they don't even know that we were starting there because they're completely in a def different world. Um, and so, and I just have to add, after that, I moved to Chicago in 85, and I got very active in the art scene there. I got involved with galleries. I got involved with the slam poetry move, movement that just began. As soon as I got there, it was already beginning. And um, we started the Guild Complex, which was an arts and literacy center similar to what we're doing at the Achuchas now. And we eventually had our own space that had um, a cafe, had a theater, a 300 seat theater, had a basement area where people could uh, do smaller performances and events. Uh, um, I was a, a co-founder, but also on the board. Uh, Dear Tutor Press started there, in, um, and we incorporated as part of the Guild Complex. My friend Michael War was the visionary and executive director, uh, and I was never hired, but I was on the board. And so we did a lot of community-based arts and literacy events in Chicago. And at the time, there was things popping up. This is from the late, from the 80s, um, all the way through when I left Chicago in the year 2000. I was working with homeless centers, uh, shelters, doing poetry workshops. I went to prisons. I went to juvenile halls. I had all this work with gang kids, and we incorporated the arts uh, as part of the work that we were doing with gang kids, which people thought it was innovative at the time uh, because they were doing behavioral modification things with gang kids, and we were doing arts, expression, and healing, as Trini pointed out. So uh, then I think Trini could talk more about what happened when we came back to LA in the year 2000. But for me, it's uh, a vision that uh, came to us from my brother-in-law, Enrique Sanchez, uh, came to me and Trini, but the, the only funding that we had was my, my funding, funding of my family, because it was Trini and me that decided that we would put money into creating the Chuchas, which we did. Our first spot was in, is in Somer, was in Somer, in another strip mall, and it was very beautifully made. We put a lot of money into it. Uh, you know, we had a performance space, we had an art gallery, we had we had a bar, a whole cafe bar. Um, we had um, books, the bookstore, the first bookstore, I think, in the area for half a million people. We just had so much going on when we first started, and that dream has continued. I won't get into all the history, but obviously almost 20 years later, we're still around. We had a lot of setbacks. We lost a lot of momentum, but we kept building, and we kept building up, and now we're still a very viable, strong, and important um, organization and center and uh, healing space, wellness space, as Trudy says, uh, in, in the community. Thank you, yeah, that's a, it's a long history and we all come, come to it with our own experiences and our own um, need to, to uh, grow. And so for, for my part, I, the way I saw it, when we came back to, to the Valley, after living in Chicago for, in, in my case, 17 years, Louis' case, 15. When we came back together, we had our two boys and we came back to family. We have a huge family here and, and we grew up in, well, I grew up in, in uh, Pacoima, Louis grew up in East LA. And so we had very different uh, experiences uh, growing up. But what, 
what was uh, what struck me when when I came back after all that time is that um, the contrast between what we had seen going on in Chicago with all the things that Louis described, all the the poetry and the writers and the festivals and the you know just the the um, livelihood of the arts everywhere in Chicago, it was it was so um, it was so disappointing to see that in our area, which of course, as in every area, there's, there's always arts, there's always artists, there's always um, things to celebrate. And in the valley here, it just seemed like a, a desert of creativity. It was so, so, um, it was just so disappointing. It was disheartening because I thought, oh boy, we left Chicago to come back here to be with family and and the sacrifice has to be that we don't have the kind of things that 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 uh, bring life to a city and to a neighborhood and to people and so we um yeah as, as we said uh we sat down with my brother-in-law and we were there pretty much let's just say complaining because we were see, saying all the things that we you know should be happening and weren't happening and we had to just stop and realize that this has been this way for so long and it's because nobody has made it their purpose to make it happen. So we realized that nobody else was going to do it obviously and so at least not in this area. And, um, and so we, we basically decided that we would do it. And uh, we, we just started it from the ground up. It wasn't a nonprofit at first, it was again just individuals the three of us who who put our our labor and time and attention and money to make it happen and um and so that's how it started and then because we were running it not to not to uh we didn't we never have uh been paid for this work and because we were running it as a nonprofit, we realized well it should be a nonprofit. and thank goodness for louis he had that experience in uh in creating nonprofits. And so that's what happened by, by the third year, by 2003, I believe it was, there was an application for, to be a nonprofit and we, we got our status. And I think 2003, 2004, I don't know. And, um, and that was the beginning of Piachucha as, as it exists today as a nonprofit. Um, so we, again, um, one of the things that, I mean, everybody, again, comes to it with a different experience. And in my case, um, I did not have that type of experience. I wasn't a poet. I was a writer. I was very socially active and, and very much and continue to be very much concerned and involved with social justice issues, in particular, the immigrant experience and, and, and our, our um, communities, our, our population. And we... And the problem is that a lot, in too many cases we're invisible. And so one of the things that I know that moved me was the, the, the Nishika experience of being um, pushed aside, our, our what we understand, what we know, who we are as a people, our invisibility in the history books, our invisibility just um, in, in our place in society and community. Um, not not in places of leadership, not in places of um, where we can actually decide where the resources go and how they're used. And so it's really, a, 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 again, this, this situation of being, um, trying to break with this 
colonization that that's just overlaid on all of our lives so for for me uh it was uh to also particularly strong for me to to find my place as a woman and and as a woman with voice because my experience here in the valley um i came from a very traditional family and we knew how to work really hard we knew how to function i in particular um was very much very quiet and um and i and i was getting tired of of that way of uh, presenting myself in the world and i found that through tia chuchas um it gave me a it was a challenge to become pretty much the first the general you know the the operations director because i wouldn't call myself the executive director i wouldn't give myself that credit basically um but that's in fact what i was and again it's just another reflection of how we minimize ourselves and we don't we don't really even see what we are based on what we're doing we see ourselves based on what we've been told and how we've we've been kind of diminished uh for so long so i'm i'm just happy to say that that all that experience has shown me that um that 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 we have the capacities and and not just as individuals but certainly i think the the biggest strength of the atuchas is that we don't try to just put up individuals as the answer we try to to reinforce the idea that as it's always been that we need to rely on each other and all our strengths and all our gifts so that things can change so that we can change so that we have a world as i said that that we can be proud of and i believe the atuchas is is uh, one of those answers here in here in this area so the atuchas was created to try to change our view of ourselves and our possibilities and then make things happen so we are as we call our our monthly donors are we're we're dream makers we we have a dream and we make it happen thank you both for sharing the the creation and the inspiration to what the atuchas is um so on it to ask our directors our current directors um what since they've been involved for um they've been in part of the space for since they were youth and i just was curious to see what you all um brought you all to the space and what was going on at the time um can you can you all please share that you know uh uh for me i was actually 17 years old in my um mexican american studies class at somar high school when Luis actually came in to do a presentation on his book Always Running and at that time I was um well obviously I was in that class and I was I was definitely searching to kind of know a little bit more about who I was my identity and kind of like um you know building my foundation uh and once he mentioned that they were going to be opening up um the space the atuchas cafe cultural i was like ecstatic i was um i i knew that i was just drawn in the sense that i knew that um what was what that space was and and was going to become was going to be a space that i wanted to be a part of and i i do remember kind of going in before well they were uh, still like um putting all the books in and and going into volunteer um and and i i remember meeting trini and and for the first time actually also and um 
I realized that she was really supportive and um, I did decide to volunteer and, and actually organize a, a show with uh, the bands that were in my school and, and she was really supportive and um, I think that was and it was just really inspiring to kind of be in the space and from there I mean I just kind of took off um, I started involving myself in multiple things at school, well, at, at Mission College and Mecha, and my relationship to Tia Chucha is like always kind of um, flourished on its own. At Tia Chucha's, I continued doing, actually learning a lot of like ancestral knowledge, indigenous um, traditions, ways, and I feel like it was a, a place that I just continued to build community, um, connect with my friends. A lot of the machistas, we'd, we'd go to the coffee shop. Um, and especially once I was working there as a barista, um, it was just beautiful really to be in that space and inhabit that space. And, um, and, even, and even now I feel like the, that spirit that the Achuchas was created in like is, is still very alive. And, and I really do feel like it's the people that um, inhabit the space that kind of come together, uh, share share themselves, their artistry that just kind of maintains the space uh, really vibrant, you know. And and I'm really I'm really grateful that um, I that I've been connected with two Tiachuchas for this long, and and that now I'm I'm able to be in a place where I can help lead um, the space and the organization um, in a way also to honor our our indigenous history our our knowledge um, just in the in the way because I I think it's important that our communities have spaces like this and and every time I see spaces you know similar to us pop up in different communities it's it's really beautiful because I think it's um, we are deserving of, of places where we can be creative and where we can um, find out a little bit of ourselves and also for the youth, you know, like I was a youth when I first came into Tia Chuchas and, you know, now I'm an adult leading the space. So I'm just really grateful that the space is created and that I got introduced to it like pretty early on. So, yeah, I think that's what I got to say about that. Thank you. How about for you, Mike? So um, when I first heard about the Achuchas, I was actually working at a, the nearby elementary school and an after school program. Uh, and up to that point, I had um, worked with a after school program for a few years. Um, <clears throat> and I had seen the school gets free newspapers. So they would always get like the daily news and I would get it. Uh, and in that daily news article was a, a story on Luis, a picture of Luis opening a box of books and talking about the Achuchas, a space for artists and community. At that time, um, I was, uh, oh, I am a filmmaker, but I was also thinking at that time, that, well, I'm a filmmaker, I guess. That makes me an artist. I'm going to go check it out. I went to the space. Uh, the first time I went, I didn't meet Luis or Trini then. Uh, I had met actually a volunteer and we were talking and they were saying, well, if you have, um, you know, obviously, you know, about films and all that. And they're like, well, what if could we do like, could we screen movies here? And I was like, yeah, it's not too hard. We just need a VCR and a projector. Uh, and they're like, so if you, if we get a VCR and a projector, you'll help us. I was like, yeah, 
I didn't honestly think that they were going to get one. Uh, but they called me next week saying that they got a projector donated <laughs> and uh, I had a VCR. So we started doing, I started organizing these film screenings um, and eventually um, uh, 9-11 came and then post 9-11, there was a lot of uh, youth and teachers uh, that had reached out to us um, specifically because there's like a, a lot of the youth expressed um, just feeling confused, not know, knowing what was going on, the news and all this stuff. And they felt that um, the world was moving in a certain direction and they didn't necessarily want to move in that way. So we started organizing some of the youth from Selmar High School and San Fernando High School. We were able to meet and um, speak with the uh, supportive high school teachers. Um, and some of them started just giving their students extra credit for coming to the film nights. And what we started doing is we started showing documentaries that kind of reflected a lot of the history on like U.S. foreign policy um, and different things like that, just to start some critical conversations and discussions. Um, and that really was like my, began like my introduction to Tia Chichas. Um, and I think more than anything, as Melissa mentioned, uh, what was interesting is that I think growing up in this area for so long, my whole life, uh, not having access to this, to spaces like these, prior to this, I was going to a lot of the cafes and organizing spaces in downtown LA, Highland Park, other other communities, but we never had something like that here in the Valley. So I think that immediately drew a lot of artists and like people started coming who offered different um, disciplines and um, they just wanted to teach. So we had people that wanted to come and start teaching theater, open mics, host open mics, poets, guitar classes, arts and crafts for families, um, you know, a lot of donation stuff. So it immediately started to function like as a community center. And um, after a while, you know, even my, my mom would joke that like, that was my, my second home. <laughs> and, and it really was because we were there a lot, uh, just hanging out, you know? I think I was 20 uh, when the space first opened. Um, and it really, it really called to me in, in a very unique way. And I think that's why some of us that have, um, like Melissa, like we've, we've seen the transformation happen within ourselves. And so any way that we could contribute to paying that forward and being able to continue that space for other people is what really uh, help, helps drive us, right? And like she mentioned, we see it now in a different way. Obviously we don't have the cafe, um, but it's more about just, I think the people that um, the HHS brings, you know? A lot of times it's referred to a magnet. And I think, especially at that time, um, there's people who, who, who would think a little differently, right? And utilizing the arts. Um, so it, it was a very special time those first five years in the cafe. Unfortunately, um, you know, we were forced out of that location, but like Luis mentioned, we're still, um, we're still going forward. So I think, I think that's really awesome. I, I just have one question for Luis and Trini. I'm curious when you all first started or when you're having that conversation with Enrique, did you all ever imagine it evolving or um, panning out the way it did at least those first uh, five years? Hmm. Well, let me answer real briefly. Um, I think we were committed that we were gonna keep the space going. One of the problems that I saw with all this art stuff that was going on from East LA in the 60s to, to the 70s and 80s when I was in LA, but also in Chicago is a lot of, organizations didn't last. There wasn't longevity. So one of the things I was committed to is no matter what, we'd have to keep this going. And it was gonna be hard and it was hard, 
we lost a lot of money. We had a lot of setbacks. We were moved from at least two or three different places. But the point is what our spirit, our will, our drawing on our ancestral um, uh, you know, connections, uh, I think gave us the energy and the, the fortitude to move forward and to keep moving in spite of all the setbacks. So to me, that was the main thing that I didn't want to do this fly by night. I didn't want to do this the last maybe two, three, five years. I really want it to last. And you know, somehow it has. And I, I think we should point out that both uh, Melissa and Michael are now running the Achuchas. It wasn't just that they got involved and they were active and they've been active since the beginning. Uh, now we put it in their hands. Uh, we have a strong staff because of the work that Trini did in those 17 years that she was running it, training, mentoring, guiding, and uh, giving them the opportunities, but also that they themselves stepped up. And I think that's part of the beauty of it, that the young people are now running it. It doesn't really belong. It never really belonged to me and Trini. It belonged to the community, but more and more we had to hand it over, hand it over, and they've taken care of it. It's become theirs. And the way I look at it is that we're gonna keep Tia Chuchos going is the generations that keep reliving it and reimagining it and making it theirs. I, I would agree. I, I think though, it's a, that's a good question, Michael, because um, truthfully, when, when I saw the response of, on, on the opening day of the, of the Centro, it was, um, it was, I think it was December of 2001. And we, the Danzantes, they came, uh, they started on the corner of Hubbard and, and Glen Oaks. And they they did this procession all the way down the street and then and then into the, the shopping center to the corner uh, unit where we were. And there was so many people. And that was the first realization that this is something that is is um, is engaging the imagination of community because they didn't know what it was. We knew what we were trying to start, but we didn't know if there would be a response to it. And that was my, the first indication that this is hitting a nerve and it's a necessary thing to do because the response shows it. And when I saw that and I, and I was standing in close to where the entrance was and I looked out and I just started crying because it was... It was a lot of work to get it where it was, the, the issue of permits and, and all that. It seemed like everything was going against us being able to do it, as is often the case. But, uh, but then I saw the, the response of the community and I said, okay, this has an energy that can't be stopped. And, and in honor of that, we have to just keep going. And it's true, it took a lot of will. There was a lot of moments when, uh, when I just was just overwhelmed but then I myself and others would um would just figure it out we would just figure it out and um and so it was it was uh it was quite a challenge it it um uh, it took a lot to keep going but um uh, but I'm glad we have and and as as has been stated it it isn't uh you know it hasn't just fallen on one person which is a good thing it's something that everybody's put their hands on and their minds on and their hearts into, and that makes all the difference. So it's been, it's been a beautiful thing to see because of that. It's, um, it is an expression of something that's, uh, it's a long held desire that, that we uh, can shape 
what we have and what we deserve and that that abundance is for us too it's not just for other people that there's a wealth that that we can share that isn't limited to just money or or things like that it's 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 uh it's expressed in 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 a legacy that's been handed to us and now we're trying to create a legacy here that will continue to go beyond us so that's that's i think the beauty of all this and so thank you michael for that question thank you all for um for sharing your history with of Tia Chuchas and I just wanted to share that I'm very grateful to hear um, the story. Um, I feel that I know I could feel that um, there's I guess that the term of standing I don't know if this is a appropriate I feel like this is kind of appropriate but um, it's like standing on the shoulders of giants because I feel that there was um, you know as we, we will share with y'all and a, a little bit ago, there was a lot of work and sacrifice and also things that probably not even um, shared with us, but um, but we're still, the just is still thriving. We're still here. And I've personally felt that I've grown a lot being part of this space that um, I, I'm i just, I feel very lucky to be part of it. And I, I just wish that our people can have that opportunity to also have that personal growth and um, the personal growth and the spiritual growth that that comes with being part of a space like this so I just want to thank you all for for um, building that foundation and continuing that building um, into the future and I just wanted to also ask you all would you feel that um, now that we're in this uh, this pandemic with the COVID-19 how do you envision how our um, how the theatrical space and the the way of being when you're part of the space like this um, needs uh, will advance us in the future. Like what values from the, um, from the space will help us with when we come back to society, are we gonna come back to the same thing that we left it or, or what's important to, to bring into the future is what I'm trying to say. So if anybody can, um, you know, if anybody can answer that or feels comfortable answering that. Please feel free. Well, I'd like to uh, hear from Michael and Melissa about this, of course, because they are running it. But for me, one thing we learned from indigenous philosophy is that when we are in crisis, anybody, when you're in chaos, the way to get out of it is not to try to reorder the world. It's try to align. And that requires being creative and imaginative. And I think that's the direction we went. This crisis has hit everybody. Um, a lot of people are hurt. A lot of people can't work. There's a lot of people, businesses, small businesses that are not able to compete or continue. And so it caused a lot of consternation. But I think for us, I think we decided that we would use our creativity to try to advance ourselves in this time of social distancing, of, of being secluded. Uh, and I think it's been working the way I look at it, the way if you go to our website, uh, you'll see... Um, uh, the, all the virtual open mics, the virtual social justice clubs, the virtual events that are happening. Also, our bookstore is continuing through online sales because we can't really have the physical space uh, filled with people trying to buy books. We are making sure that people have access to these books because we need knowledge and awareness more than ever. Uh, so I think that just really quickly, I think the creativity was the way to go. Things were reordered once we learned how to align to what the crisis is pointing to. And I think one thing, Rebecca, you're saying is very important is we have to imagine a different kind of world. We can't go back to quote normal. 
we can't go back to the way it was. Just before this COVID-19 thing happened, the pandemic habit happened, we had a lot of homelessness in our communities. We had a lot of unhealthy people. We had suicide. We had uh, drug overdoses, uh, the, you know, fentanyl and, and uh, other opiates and it's crystal meth in our communities. We've had a lot of pain. So we can't go back to normal. That's what normal looked like for us. So we have to think about how to move forward to a more healthy, uh, more healing, more uh, encompassing way that our communities can get strong um, by not going back to the way the capitalist system set things up. Just to uh, jump on that, I think that one of the uh, amazing things that the HHS has taught me over the years is that um, to try to lead with your imagination and, and imagine a world with no um, limitless of like the possibilities, right? So I think uh, part of it is to take this as an opportunity to really dream big, like what does the future hold? I feel um, it's interesting because the world is really exposing itself to what is possible in a way, you know, like a lot of things you're seeing like uh, financial support for folks, right? Being able to house uh, the homelessness, like these are like tangible solutions that are happening, um, and I, and I feel that this pandemic is exposing like what is possible. The challenge is going to be for how much we can fight for those changes, um, and how do we how do we even fight for that collectively, um, given like the pandemic, which I think is challenging, right? And then how do we? There's a, there's going to be a big push to try to get back to normal. Um, but then what is that normal, right? That normal is not a, a healthy society. So uh, I feel like it's an opportunity for, for the world to change and to evolve, but um, it's also like, how do we do that, right? And how do we, as the Chuchas, um, how can we be a, a focal point for that? And I feel like when we look back to that time of the stuff that was going around, was ha the organizing that was happening around the anti-war movement post 9-11, I felt like we were also kind of like the valley contingent of that, right? Our space was a meeting space for a lot of groups, a lot of people, a lot of organizers. Um, we were using the art, right, to kind of lead a lot of that protest as well, the creation of um, different um, materials. So um, I think there is a um, an important discussion to to be had about how do we move forward um, really as a society and how can we look toward some real tangible changes to come? Yeah, um, I want to echo that. And I think it's important to also realize that this is, um, you know, this pandemic is making us realize the importance of, of still staying connected in community and honoring our ancestral knowledge and values. And, and, and at a certain point, it's, it's just, um, as Louis said, to kind of like align with that, you know, and hence to then why we, we've, we've been put in a position to that the way that we are able to maintain that community is by going virtually, you know. Um, I think at a certain point, that's what's gonna also like help us um, get through this to be able to still, still heal together, still connect together um, in, in the way that our ancestors did, right, and, and honor that and and yeah, a lot of the things that are that are happening, as as like Michael is saying, is it's giving, um, it's bringing light to you know that 
what what was normal isn't necessarily really normal and good and healthy right and how can we reimagine things in a different way and i think even as as the achuchas as we continue to move forward it's it's like how do we how do we still remain connected even with like the community at times that isn't able to come directly into our space and um it definitely is is bringing uh it's 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 opening us in a, in a sense of definitely finding finding other ways um, to continue to build community um, in our community and with the larger community um, just overall right of, of LA of California and just because I mean essentially we're all going through this um, together and and how do we how do we realign you know because um, I mean I think it's also interesting that now that there isn't so much of a carbon footprint of people over the world like Mother Earth is like resurging it's it's you know um, it's kind of like coming back to life so even though we're going through this like our 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 Madrecita Tonantzin is healing in that process and and I think that's extremely beautiful to see as well. Just as an, uh, an, one example, um, we're offering a bilingual little readers program where we're reading bilingual books um, to children. We're doing a bilingual yoga. And we had received a, a nice email early in the week that somebody actually from the school board um, wanted to thank us because there's, they're hearing a lot from parents and families that there's not a lot of online programming for kids or families in Spanish. Um, so even as a lot of people are moving toward the virtual online program, and there's still a lack uh, for our community. So being able to support in that way, I think, is uh, is important. Yeah, I. This is. It's really been interesting. Obviously, the first thing that set in on the pandemic was a lot of um, unanswered questions, a lot of confusion, a lot of misrepresentation of of um, you know what the actual situation was, and so. Now that we're clear on what what it is and and what we need to do immediately, I think the the important thing is, as it's been said, to keep that imagination alive of not just um, how to how to kind of survive through it, but how to how to uh, create in the process so that when we get out of this, our awareness is heightened, our our sense of what's possible is heightened, and and I think actually I'm really glad to see uh, that we actually we're that we're actually doing a podcast because that's an aspect aspect of um breaking the bounds of what perhaps the answer is which is just hunker down and and don't go out and all those kind of things but those are all very um again limiting ways of getting through something and another way of getting through that something is to find the gaps and and then go through those places to fill them, but also to fill them in a positive way. And so this podcast, I'm hoping, connects us to people who have not uh, heard of Tia Chuchas before, who perhaps have been waiting to hear about a space such as ours, either who are local and the beauty of vir the virtual connection is that it doesn't have to stay local, it can be all over the country, and perhaps inspire other places to do similar things. Because again, the, the need is not... Um, is not limited to our space and our area. It's all over the place. That's unfortunate, but it's true. And um, and so I'm I'm really I'm really glad that the podcast allows us to get beyond some some of our comfort zones because 
Um, as people of color, a lot of the times, one of the things that happens to us is we don't find, um, we don't um, get told that our voice matters. But uh, but at the more we we really look into what that means, we realize it's very um, it's not helpful to to look at yourself as as a discardable kind of like a you know something that doesn't matter. So um, so again, it, it does it does require that we get past the uh, the idea that somehow what we have to say is not important. So so thank you for for the podcast opportunity, and also um, just the the idea that this pandemic um, it it does it does call up very very old things that have not been solved, and and the importance of us looking at ways to get through it in, in, uh, in ways where what we create and what we bring up uh, can help, um, you know, get us through this in a good way, not just get through it and then come out on the other side uh, with no, no new things to add. So it's not just about coping, it's about really resolving and, and addressing the, the deep things that we've been dealing with. And I think a lot of it does have to do with tapping into the deeper parts of ourselves that that are based in a in a whole lineage of of understanding that connection is everything we can't afford to keep thinking that we can go through the world without um really being centered enough and clear enough about uh, uh how what we do and what we don't do impacts the world and so I'm glad to see, to know that Beatrices is a space that tries to keep that in mind, and then we organize ourselves to try to put out there the kind of things that will be helpful in that. So, thank you again. Thank you all again for your time to sharing. Um, I wanted to just open up for one last. If y'all have any um, last thoughts before we close out the this segment. Well, let me just say that. Um, uh, people didn't know that I actually got uh, very sick in the last three three weeks and hospitalized. And uh, but what keeps me going and what keeps me uh, in a good spirit is the Achuchas, is the community. Of course, my family first and foremost, but the family that has grown and stepped up. But also, I just so honored to be part of this community. I've always said that community is our mother. That's what we have to go to. That's how we get fed. That's how we grow. That's how we get nurtured. But we also have to take care of community. And so I just want to say how important the Chuchas has been to strengthen the community. It's not, we aren't the community. We are part of community. We're integral to something bigger. And it's growing more and more. So I just want to say that, that, that keeps all of us in a good space to get through any individual issues are always resolvable through knowing that the community is strong and you can always go back to it as a threshold, as an energizing uh, pull. It's something that keeps you um, uh, strong in the midst of a lot of pain and brokenness and, and fracturing. So thank you all for all you do for Tia Chutas. Thank you. Um, so I guess that's probably the, the end to this segment, but I hope they just again want to just thank you all for taking the time to share all these the stories and I just hope that we can continue uh, to talk about um, what brings moves us forward and what 
are the the lessons that we need to take with us that are from our past and from our ancestors and um yes and also just thank you and i hope i wish you all happiness um to continue that and continue your community care self-care and um and just thank you so much for your time thank you thank you thank Thank you again for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow Tia Chuchas on social media. Please support our online bookstore. You can find the links in our podcast bio. Stay safe, stay creative. Tiawi.